0: Good evening, everyone. So right now we are uh, in year A. If you don't know, the the readings for Mass have a three-year cycle. And so it's really complex. Your A is Matthew. Your B is Mark. Your C is Luke. And then John's Gospel gets woven into all three of them. And when we're in year A, like we are right now, the gospel readings during Lent are chosen specifically for the people in RCIA. And so tonight's gospel, one of the most powerful ones in all of the New Testament, is a story of conversion. And tonight, brothers and sisters, the the Word of God has a powerful message for every single one of us. Pope Benedict says that conversion, and we hear the story of the, the woman at the well, conversion is not just one moment of the Christian life. It is everything it means to be a Christian day by day. So this reading tonight is for you. And tonight's gospel is all about desire. If you haven't heard this from me, you haven't been coming to confession at Lord's. I tell pretty much everyone in confession, uh, being a Christian is very much like having a garden. And it's so easy for us as Christian men and women to focus on our sins. And in a good way, all of us, what we say, you know, we think, Jesus, I want to pull out that that lust from my garden, that weed. I want to pull out that pride or that vanity or the jealousy. And that's good and fine, and we have to do that. That's necessary. But the point of a garden is not to pull weeds. The point of a garden is to grow something and what God wants to do in your heart the heart that is your garden or the other way around the garden that is your heart is he wants to grow something brothers and sisters and he wants to grow a desire in your heart that is absolutely enormous Chesterton has a line that I, you know, he has so many great lines. But one of them that I just love, Chesterton has a line where he says, let your religion be less of a theory and more of a romance. I hate it when I'm emotional, three lines into a homily. God save us all. Let your religion be less of a theory and more of a romance. But that's what the gospel is about tonight. So, I don't know, maybe four years ago, something like that, five years ago, uh, I needed a new car. And I don't know about you, but I am attached to my image. I like to look a certain way. I like people to think of me a certain way. Uh, and to sum that up, one year I was, or one Saturday, I was downtown in Holy Ghost. I had a wedding. I did this wedding mass and I came out and my, one of my friends had, years ago had bought me a Patagonia vest. Still have it. And I walked out after the wedding and I had my Patagonia vest on and one of the bridesmaids didn't know I could hear her but she turned to another bridesmaid and said, such a Colorado priest. And I was like, the image is working. <laughs> I was like, yes. So I needed a new car. And I care a little bit too much about my image. And so I was thinking about what kind of car I wanted. And in the Companions, we have a rule about, uh, we have a price cap on what you can spend on a new car. And our cap, I think, was $17,000, which isn't a lot for a car. And my dad is a car guy, and he likes to spend money on cars. And so he was like, Brian, this is impossible. There's no way we're going to find the right kind of car for $17,000. So he got to work thinking through how we could do this, and he found a place that rebuilds cars uh, that have been totaled by insurance companies. They have a savage title. But they rebuild cars, and so you can get a pretty cool car at a much cheaper price. And so he turned me on to this website, so we're looking at cars, and I'm like, Colorado Priest, must be cool. Subaru Crosstrek right, I know you were thinking the same thing, and I was like, that's what I'm going to get, I need a Subaru Crosstrek, they're good in the snow, looks cool, I can have my, my Patagonia vest on, I'll be at stoplights, people will be like, man, that guy looks, oh my gosh, it's my priest, right, <laughs> and I'm like, that's what I'm going for, that's what it's going to be, so, uh, they had some, they had some Crosstrek's that had been rebuilt after wrecks, so we went down there, and, um, We test drove a super cross-track. And i was like, this is great. It's got the image. It's everything I want. We test drove it, and I was ready to just kind of pull the trigger. And my dad said, Brian, I want you to just try one other car. It's called an escape. (laughs) They're laughing because they know it's actually an escape. But you are forbidden from calling it that. It It is an escape. So my dad got me in this car, and we test drove that one. And after just a few minutes, it was obvious that the Escapé has much more power than the Crosstruck. Don't be jealous. So we ended up with that that day. Uh, So we got it, you know, inspected and all these things. And now, you know, I have this beautiful Ford Escapé. I want to use that image tonight, and here's the thing. Tonight's gospel is so simple in some ways. If we had an hour, this this reading from John 4, brothers and sisters, the depths that are in this gospel reading are unbelievable. If you pulled out a scripture commentary and you studied this gospel, you would say, I have to go become a scripture scholar. I have to give my life. Origin says, once we have encountered the beauty of the Gospels, how could we spend anything else but the rest of our lives studying Scripture? This is one of those readings that does that. But tonight I want to zero in on a very simple message that you already know, but I want it to open your heart tonight. Tonight's Gospel is all about your heart. It's all about desires. And the simple thing that all of us know is that our hearts go after strange things and very frequently our desires deceive us. They lead us off track. Right? And so sometimes I just want to look a certain way and I think that's what I want. What Jesus wants, what he did with the Samaritan woman, and what he wants to do with you, is he wants to put you in touch with a much deeper desire that you already have. The world tells us that Christianity is about giving up your desires. And that's a caricature, brothers and sisters. A priest friend of mine in, uh, in Minnesota, he talks about how people in his parish will say, oh, Father Jeff, we're just so sorry you had to give up a wife and a family. And he says, I didn't give up a wife and a family. He says, I chose the desire of my heart. Of course, a wife and a family are amazing. They're the best thing on earth. And Father Jeff Heward always says, it wasn't like I entered priesthood thinking about the things I gave up. Christ revealed the desire of my heart. And he opened it to me. The world tells us that you and I, to follow Jesus, what it means is to give up our desires. Brothers and sisters, that is a life of hell. To be a Christian means that you have had a revelation of the deepest desire of your heart. And it's not a cross-trek. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not a cross-trek. It's not a good marriage, as good as that is. It's not a better job. It's not more money. It's that Christ has revealed that your heart desires only something infinite. And that's what he gives us. So, tonight in the gospel, a couple of things I want to just encourage you to. All right, this woman, if you really understand this gospel, there's simple points that all of us should know. Uh, if you go to Israel, you would know this. Um, I've been to Jacob's well, it still is there. The Christian church. Never lost memory of which well was Jacob's well. It's in a church today. The Byzantine priest that uh, ran that church was martyred about a decade ago. But it's an amazing place. It's still there. And in the, in the Middle East, this woman shows up. Jesus is alone at this well. And she goes out, and we're told it's about noon. And we're at that right there. If we know our scripture, and if you know the context, That's weird. You do not draw water at noon. You draw water at daybreak for two reasons. One is that you need water in the morning to wash up a little bit, to just have something to drink, to prepare some food. And if you go to draw water at noon, it's going to be about 3 billion degrees. And the story, as it moves on, this woman is an outcast. We know from the time of Christ that even in pagan religions, a woman who has had five husbands is regarded with shame, and she is looked down upon as impure. And a couple of scripture scholars I read this week said that the reason this sixth man is not her husband is because at this time she's either too old or it's just quite simply no one will marry her. Jesus knows her heart. And in this gospel, she's revealed as someone who can worship God in spirit and in truth. Brothers and sisters, Jesus knows your heart. He knows it. He knows the wounds you have, He knows the lies that you have told yourself and that the evil one has whispered to you. He knows them. And what Christ does in this unbelievably powerful scene, he does not shame the woman. What he does is he calls her and he evokes within her a greater desire. love what she says. The woman said to him, Sir, by the way, the Greek word there is Kyrie, which can mean Sir, but it means Lord. Lord, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw water. Or give me this water, this living water that I may not thirst. What Jesus does in this scene is so powerful. All through John's gospel, what Christ loves to do is he engages a conversation on a natural level, and the natural yields to and reveals something supernatural. In your life as a human being, you have natural desires. You want a nice life. You want friendship and love. All kinds of things, a good career, whatever it might be, we all have natural desires. Our natural desires, though, brothers and sisters, if we let God show us, He can reveal to us what we want is not natural water. We want the water that only Jesus gives. That water that can satisfy our hearts. Origin, I was reading his commentary on John and what he says about this. Jesus says here in verse 10 he says, to the woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Origin cites Matthew 7, 7. In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. my priesthood, I, I was praying with this this week and I've realized that I've stopped asking God for joy. And you can ask God for all kinds of things. Lord, take care of this problem. Grant me this earthly, natural thing I want. James chapter 4 says that you and I ask and we do not receive gifts from God. God, because we ask wrongly to spend it on our own desires. And I was praying this week and I realized, Jesus, I've stopped asking you to be my joy, to be the one that gives me living water and that fulfills my life, the one who quenches my thirst, Brothers and sisters, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Being a Christian is not about turning off your heart, about shutting down your desires. It's about opening your heart to the desires that are infinite. This is what it means to be a Christian. Finally tonight, one last line. For, for 2,000 years, our church, when it reads this gospel, has been reminded of another scene in the gospels, and in a couple of them, but one in particular. Not only does Jesus evoke thirst in this woman and want her to know her own thirst for something deeper and more beautiful, something of God, Jesus also asks her for a drink. For 2,000 years, this has reminded our church and Catholics all across the world of John chapter 19, where Jesus says, I thirst. We all know this, don't we? But Mother Teresa made that a central theme of her life and of her teachings. And as a great mystic, right, Mother Teresa knew something about God. Um, But she asked the question, she asked, what is it Jesus thirsts for? When he's hanging on the cross, and he cries out, I thirst. What does he thirst for? Mother Teresa says the answer is You. The son of god thirsts for your love for your faith for your heart wonder of wonders augustine's famous line of course we all know it i hope you know it augustine in his autobiography the confessions He starts off and he says, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Amen. The Samaritan woman, she would never find rest in one of those husbands. She would never find living water from that well. Her heart was restless until it rested in Christ. Balthazar takes Augustine's line, and in his little book, Heart of the World, he finishes that book, and he turns it upside down. And he says, Jesus, you have made us for yourself, and your heart is restless. Your heart is restless until it rests in me. This is the great mystery of the Christian life. Brothers and sisters, Today's gospel is chosen for the catechumens, for those who will be baptized. You have been baptized, but you need conversion. To be a Christian is to give your heart to God. It's to realize that his heart was restless until he found you, and that your heart will be restless until it rests in him. Jesus, tonight, Lord, give us living water.